Good Wednesday morning. Another day of chaos shaping up right there on Capitol Hill. So who will be the next Speaker of the House? It's January 4th. This is today. Republicans in turmoil. A speaker has not been elected. Kevin McCarthy falling short in three rounds of voting to become House Speaker, something that hasn't occurred in more than 100 years. It might not happen on the day we want it, but it's going to happen. The next vote just hours away, but Republicans know closer to deciding who will hold one of the most powerful positions in the nation. A live report from Washington just ahead. Encouraging sign, the bills, Damar Hamlin, reportedly showing some improvement, but still in critical condition this morning. His family revealing he was resuscitated twice after going into cardiac arrest on the field. My nephew basically died on the field and they brought him back to life. I mean, that's just heartbreaking. Overnight, fans holding emotional vigils at the hospital in Cincinnati and back home in Buffalo will have the very latest. Wild weather, a new round of powerful storms taking aim at both coasts today. In the south, a threat of more tornadoes. In the west, new flood watches as California braces for even more rain. We're tracking it all. Day in court, the Idaho College murder suspect set to return there to face charges after waiving extradition. Just ahead, what we're now learning about his arrest and body cam video showing the accused killers brush with police weeks earlier. What's next in the case that has captivated the nation? All that plus on the mend after Jeremy Renner seen for the first time since that scary snow plowing accident. His emotional message to fans and new details on the moments that led to his injuries. And going up with no winner overnight, the Mega Millions jackpot closing in on $1 billion and people already racing to get tickets to the next drawing today, Wednesday, January 4th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today. Nice to have you with us on a Wednesday morning. Yeah, we got a really busy one ahead, including new details on DeMar Hamlin. His uncle is opening up about that collapse on the field. He's saying that the young Buffalo Bill was resuscitated twice as new questions emerge about what is next. We've got all of that covered this morning. Yeah, and some encouraging signs, mm-hmm. as mentioned. But we'll start with this chaos at the Capitol, and that's where it is. House Republicans failed to elect a Speaker of the House on the first day of the new Congress. That hasn't happened in 100 years. Republican leader Kevin McCarthy repeatedly came up short of the 208 vote, 18 votes he needed. Now, the next vote is set for later today. NBC's Garrett Hake is following all of it. Yesterday, we said there was suspense. Yeah. Garrett, there really was, and still today. Yeah, Savannah, the suspense only builds today. The Congress, as you said, hasn't had a moment like this in a 100 years. There is no speaker, no rules. Members can't even be sworn in. All of this is Republicans fight amongst themselves about who should lead them and take the job that's second in line to the presidency. This morning, the new Republican House in chaos, failing to elect a speaker on a single ballot for the first time in a century. House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy facing a right-wing revolt, falling short of the 218 votes needed to secure the top job after three rounds of balloting. A speaker has not been elected. A speaker has not been elected. A speaker has not been elected. 
The House adjourning until noon today, with Republicans huddling behind closed doors, trying to break the impasse. I think we'll find our way to get there, and uh, this is a healthy debate. It might not happen on the day we want it, but it's going to happen. Former President Donald Trump posting on Truth Social this morning, telling Republicans to vote for Kevin and close the deal, urging them to avoid an embarrassing defeat. Driving the debate, a small fraction of right-wing members digging in their heels against McCarthy. And people ask me, what do you want? I want the tools or I want the leadership to stop the swamp from running over the average American every single day. The holdouts have already extracted major concessions from McCarthy and now have more demands, including prime committee seats, commitments to vote on specific legislation, and rules changes, including some that would make it easier to oust a speaker. This is just a game to them. The Republican rebel's choice for speaker, Jim Jordan, says he doesn't want the job. I think Kevin McCarthy's the right guy to lead us. I really do, or I wouldn't be standing up here giving this speech. The House is constitutionally bound to elect a speaker before taking up any other business, including swearing in new members. Now in the minority, House Democrats are rallying behind their new leader, Hakeem Jeffries, who actually received more votes than McCarthy, though he has no path to the speakership. Asked if Democrats could get behind a moderate Republican candidate for speaker. We are looking for a willing partner to solve problems for the American people, not save the Republicans from their dysfunction. Garrett, I mean, this is just so really unprecedented. How are you hearing about how this could play out today? Is there a consensus candidate candidate out there? How is this going to be resolved? (laughs) It's impossible to know yet, Savannah. We could be in this for quite a while. The rebels here are dug in. McCarthy lost more votes on the third ballot yesterday than he did on the first ballot. He has the support of 90 percent of Republicans, but that 10 percent say they won't support him under any circumstances. But McCarthy is dug in, too. Savannah, he's already moved into the speaker's office. He says he's not going anywhere. He will keep them on the floor and voting for as long as this takes. We shall see. Garrett could be some long nights and days there. Thank you very much. Another story we're closely watching, the condition of Buffalo Bills player DeMar Hamlin. The 24-year-old remains in intensive care this morning after going into cardiac arrest on the field Monday night. But a family member says there may be some good news, too. NBC's Maggie Vespa is at the hospital in Cincinnati where Hamlin is being treated. Hey, Maggie, good morning. Hoda, good morning. From Buffalo to Cincinnati, as you know, so many across the country hoping and praying DeMar Hamlin makes a full recovery. And this morning, new updates from his family about what's going on inside that hospital. The uh, the uncle telling reporters overnight they are seeing some signs of improvement as doctors in that ICU work around the clock to save Hamlin's life. This morning, we are learning new details about DeMar Hamlin's injuries and how doctors are helping him fight for his life in the ICU, where he remains in critical condition. Hamlin's uncle telling CNN the Bills player is now flipped onto his stomach in the hospital, trying to help with blood in his lungs. Hamlin is still on a ventilator, but his uncle says he is requiring less oxygen than he was initially, and the next goal is for Hamlin to start breathing on his own. He's still sedated right now. Um... They just want him to have a better chance of uh, recovering better. It's just heartbreaking seeing him like that. 
The family sending a message of gratitude to all the fans showing their support. Writing in a statement, your generosity and compassion mean the world to us. Outside the hospital and in Buffalo near Highmark Stadium. Lord, we pray for tomorrow. Fans echoing prayers heard across the nation for Hamlin's recovery. This was just like a gut punch, but we're hopeful. Football fans across the country stunned during Monday night's game when Hamlin fell back after a tackle and had to receive CPR. The Bills say the 24-year-old suffered a cardiac arrest and his heartbeat was restored on the field. Had they not been there, he would be gone. Hamlin's uncle revealing he was resuscitated a second time at the hospital. Hamlin grew up just outside Pittsburgh. The high school standout went on to play college football for the Pitt Panthers before getting drafted by the Buffalo Bills in 2021. The young player now in his second pro season. He worked very hard for a career in the National Football League. And then when he achieved it, he wanted to go back into his community, help other people achieve things. Hamlin also passionate about his family, who regularly cheers him on from the sidelines. My mom, my dad, my little brother, like that's pretty much my whole world. And of course, the other latest update coming from the NFL, the league saying the Bills and Bengals matchup will not be rescheduled for this week. It's unclear at what point it will be rescheduled for. We'll keep you posted. They also say all other matchups for the final week of the regular season will go on as planned. Hoda, Savannah. Maggie Vest before us there in Cincinnati. Maggie, thanks. Let's get a little more mm-hmm. from NBC News senior medical correspondent, Dr. John Torres. Good morning, John. So uh, the, the uncle gave us a few more facts mm-hmm. that he was resuscitated twice on the field, that he is on oxygen, but it's lower now, and that they have him in some kind of a prone mm-hmm. position or flipped over to help with breathing. When you're trained to ear hears that, what, what more can we glean from this situation? And Savannah, I think what we're seeing is kind of the normal progression of what's happening when somebody's in a situation like this. And what they initially do is completely sedate them, let all the body's energy be used to try and make sure that they heal the heart, the lungs, the brain, the three organs we're most concerned with at this point. And then they slowly bring them out of sedation. And that's kind of a back and forth play that goes on there because they'll bring him down to 50% sedation, see how he does. And if he has any issues, push him back up to 75 or maybe 100%. And that goes back and forth. As far as the flipping onto his lung, onto his stomach, what they're trying to do is make sure that his lungs aren't fighting gravity and they can do everything they need in order to repair themselves. And so this is not an unusual sequence. We'll, we'll see what happens over the day here or two to see how his condition improves or, or doesn't. And Dr. John, can you drill down a little bit? They said they resuscitated him not once on the field. The, the uncle said he also did it a second time. What does that tell you? And that's a little bit more concerning, Hoda, because what happens is the heart is driven by its electrical synchronization, this electrical circuit that goes through the heart. That was disrupted by the hit, and that was the initial resuscitation, initial defibrillation. And for that to happen a second time says that, you know, the heart initially, it didn't take hold as long as we'd like it to. Luckily, or at least we haven't heard about him needing to get resuscitated more than that. And so having it a second time is a little more concerning, but not having it extend much beyond that is encouraging. And we're seeing encouraging signs now that hopefully he is improving and will continue to improve as time goes on. So so good that they did Mm -hmm. get the medical treatment to him so quickly Mm -hmm. on the field, too. Dr. Torres, thank you. All right, thanks. Uh, Also this morning, guys, tens of millions are waking up to new threats of severe weather from coast to coast, including a major storm that could unleash a new round of historic flooding in California. Dylan's been very busy tracking it all this morning. Hey, Dylan, good morning. Good morning, guys. Part of the problem is we've had storm after storm impact California and the West Coast. So as 
the next storm moves on, the ground is already saturated and it leads to the threat of mudslides and flooding. San Francisco is about to see some of that really heavy rain, and this is going to affect central California over the next several hours, but still bring some of that heavier rain all the way down to Southern California, too. We could see north of the Bay Area, north of San Francisco, up to eight inches of rain. This could lead to mudslides and also uh, all that runoff that could lead to flooding as well. But not just the rain, the wind is going to be a factor as we could see gusts up to 50 to 60 miles per hour. It is just going to be an absolutely miserable day out in California. It's just something to keep in mind. And then on the East Coast, we have tornado watches in effect. Lots of cloud to ground lightning. We've had severe thunderstorms that could produce wind gusts up to 60 miles per hour. Isolated tornadoes are possible as well. And we do have a risk of some hail, although it's the wind and the tornado threat that will be the biggest concern, especially down through Georgia into uh, the panhandle of Florida as well. So we'll be keeping an eye on those throughout the afternoon, Savannah. All right, Dylan, thank you. And in the meantime, with Americans heading back to work and school, there is still this concern about a post-holiday surge in flu, COVID, and other respiratory viruses. So to guard against it, some cities are bringing back mask mandates, at least temporarily, for children returning to the classroom after the long break. NBC's Dasha Burns joins us from Patterson, New Jersey this morning. Dasha, good morning. Savannah, good morning. For a lot of students across the country, the start of 2023 may look a little bit more like 2020, with some districts asking their students to once again mask up as they return from winter break. But even with the threat of all of these viruses, medical experts say that we are in a very different place today than we were at the start of the pandemic. This morning, it's back to school and back to masking for hundreds of thousands of American students. We all had RSV. I've had COVID myself. We've dealt, he has a cough now, so we're, we're dealing with it. In cities like Philadelphia, Boston, Camden and Patterson in New Jersey, schools are once again asking kids to temporarily cover up their faces. We think we're making the right decision, notwithstanding what other school districts across the country may or may not be doing. We want to stay with in-person instruction. Uh, And so we're just following the data and the science uh, at this point. Medical experts say this isn't the same as last year's surge, but do believe in places of high spread, masks in schools could be beneficial, especially after time away for the holidays. What do you say to parents, to administrators who say, look, we did this. We did this for a long time. We thought we were done. Why go through this masking thing again? Yeah, I I think of it as having umbrellas in a rainstorm. They don't need it every single day, but there are times when they do. This is exactly one of those times. It comes as a so-called triple-demic of flu, RSV, and COVID has spelled disaster for hospitals in recent months. A federal team deployed to Albuquerque, New Mexico, to help with a surge of sick children, pediatric centers overflowing. While hospitalizations nationwide have only recently ticked up slightly in the U.S., overseas, COVID has been hammering China for weeks. Janice Mackey-Frayer is in Beijing. At some hospitals, resources are stretched so thin, patients are advised to bring their own beds. And it's going to get worse, with China's own experts saying 800 million people will be infected by spring. Back in this country, a new Omicron subvariant is rapidly becoming the dominant strain. That is just a smarter variant at infecting and breaking through walls of immunity. 
In Savannah, the latest CDC data shows that this new variant makes up about 40% of COVID cases sequenced here in the U.S. The good news is, though, that it's not yet leading to any spikes in hospitalizations or deaths. Savannah? All right, Dasha Burns, thank you very much. 15, a lot more to get to. We say good morning to Craig. Hey, hey Craig. Hoda, Savannah, good morning. Good morning to you as well. Some new details are emerging this morning about the snow plowing accident that landed actor Jeremy Renner in the hospital with some serious injuries. The Marvel star now posting a selfie and a message of thanks to fans as he continues to recover. NBC's Aaron McLaughlin joins us with more on this story. Aaron, good morning to you. Good morning, Craig. Many were relieved to see the 51-year-old actor for the first time since a more than 14,000-pound piece of machinery rolled over him, leaving him critically injured. Authorities now saying the accident happened after he set out to help a family member in need. This morning, we're hearing from actor Jeremy Renner for the first time since the snowplow accident that left him critically injured. Posting a photo of himself showing the two-time Oscar nominee lying in a hospital bed, his face swollen and bruised. The caption reading, thank you all for your kind words. I'm too messed up now to type, but I send love to you all. A heartfelt message met with an outpouring of love and support from Hollywood and beyond. The Reno sheriff disclosing new details of how Renner was run over by a large piece of snow clearing equipment the morning of New Year's Day. That snow plow seen here in a video obtained by TMZ, appearing to be towed away. We do not believe Mr. Renner was impaired at all, and we believe this is a tragic accident. The accident happened after Renner used his snowcat, a piston bully weighing more than 14,000 pounds, to help free a family member in a vehicle stuck in several feet of fresh snow. Mr. Renner got out of his piston bully to speak to his family member. At this point, it was observed that the piston bully started to roll. In an effort to stop the rolling piston bully, Mr. Renner attempts to get back into the driver's seat of the piston bully. Based on our investigation, it's at this point that Mr. Renner is run over by the piston bull. Before first responders arrived on the scene, neighbors rushed to Renner's rescue with towels. This, the kind of compassion authorities say, often showed by Renner to others in his community, from serving as a volunteer firefighter to supporting local charities. He has been very generous, and he's one of those individuals that I can tell you most of the time you don't know uh, that he's doing it, but he has made a tremendous impact on this community. Now his community, his family and friends are rallying around him to support his recovery as authorities push on with the investigation. The sheriff says part of that investigation will look at whether there was a mechanical failure that contributed to the accident. NBC News has reached out to Piston Bully for comment. The company has not yet responded. Craig. Uh, Aaron McLaughlin for us there. Aaron, thank you. Let's go back over to Dylan, get the rest of the forecast. Good morning again, guys. Coast to coast, we are dealing with some pretty messy weather. This storm system moving through California is going to bring the threat of flooding and some mudslides, too. In the southeast, we do have the chance of severe storms, which are occurring right now and will continue for the next several hours. In the northeast, we could even approach record high temperatures, though. Out ahead of this whole frontal system, we will see those warmer temperatures, but back behind it, it's much more seasonable as we drop into the 20s and 30s. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thank you. Coming up, new details on what led to an arrest in the murders of those four college students in Idaho as their accused killer agrees to extradition and will face charges in Idaho. We'll have the very latest in a live report. Plus, guys, have you noticed uh, gas and heating prices, oil 
oil prices on the rise. We're going to take a closer look at what's fueling that increase. We've also got some tips on how you can save. But first, this is Today on NBC. Hello, parents, homeschoolers, and teachers. Trusty narrator here from the Who Smarted podcast. Our 15-minute episodes are perfect for car rides, bedtime, break time, class time, or any time. We make learning science and history fun and funny for 7 to 11-year-olds with new episodes every week. Look for Who Smarted on any podcast platform or at whosmarted.com. And teachers get a free subscription to our ad-free version by clicking educators at whosmarted.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna book club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, uh, all of you and my kids, uh, you know, Nick, Courtney, and Leela, and of course, my, my bride, Deborah. Mm. You know, they all, I couldn't do this without everybody. Well, well, we want to give you some roses. But we <laughs> bacon! <laughs> bacon! <laughs> oh, it's 7.30. We're celebrating. This was us back in 2018. We marked 40 years of Al Roker here at NBC. And the reason that we keep showing videos of Al in the past is because pretty soon we're going to celebrate him all over again. Yes. He's got a big return to Studio 1A. It's going to be on Al Friday. Al on tape is good. Al live and direct. Yes. Yes. Even better. And he'll be here Friday. And yes. there'll be more bacon. Yes. There'll be more bacon, buddy. All right. Well, let's get to your headlines. 7.30 on a Wednesday morning. The FDA has finalized a rule change yesterday that broadens availability of abortion pills. Now major chains like CVS or Walgreens, as well as online pharmacies, will be allowed to offer the drug Mifepristone. Under the new rules, women can get a prescription from a certified health care provider and then receive the pills through the mail in states where it is permitted by law. Southwest Airlines insists it is making, quote, solid progress on processing refunds after canceling nearly 16,000 flights during the holiday rush. The airline is also offering 25,000 frequent flyer points to travelers who are impacted by cancellations or delays between Christmas Eve and January 2nd. And while Southwest operations are returning to normal, not smooth sailing just yet. More than 1,500 flights were delayed after a third-party service that provides weather data temporarily went down. All right, now let's get to the question everybody's asking this morning. Did anyone win that massive $785 million Mega Millions jackpot last night? The answer is... No, but there were lots of people who won smaller prizes, including three tickets worth $4 million a piece. All right, so check your tickets. Look at the numbers. Here they are. 25, 29, 33, 41, 44, and the Mega Ball is 18. So here's the good news. The jackpot is climbing. Jeez. It's now worth an estimated $940 million. That's the fourth largest Mega Millions jackpot ever. So the next drawing... Friday night. Yeah. All right. Lots more to get to this morning, including the man suspected of killing four college students returning to Idaho to face charges. He made his first court appearance yesterday in Pennsylvania, and he agreed to waive extradition and head straight to Idaho. Police are now sharing new details on his arrest. Yeah, NBC's Gotti Schwartz is in Moscow for us. Gotti, good morning. 
Hey, good morning, guys. This is a jail here that the prime suspect, Brian Kohlberger, will be held when he's transferred back to Moscow, Idaho. Kohlberger's public defender in Pennsylvania tells us that his client hasn't even seen the charging documents against him, has not seen the case uh, laid out in those documents, and he won't until he is extradited back here to Idaho. Brian, Brian, did you do it? Seen for the first time since his arrest at a Pennsylvania extradition hearing, Brian Koberger on a cross-country flight this morning to the state where he's facing four first-degree murder charges. Well, we have security concerns now, obviously, to move any prisoner. Anytime you move somebody from a secure prison to another place. The suspect's family, including his mother and sisters, also at Tuesday's extradition hearing, where he agreed to be transported across the country to Idaho. Koberger's Pennsylvania public defender has said he expects him to plead not guilty. He's being very calm. He's very aware. He understands the proceedings. He said this is not him. Uh, he believes he's going to be exonerated. Koberger was arrested last Friday at his parents' home in eastern Pennsylvania. Local officials sharing new details about that early morning raid involving a substantial show of force. A tactical assets on scene were probably in the neighborhood of 50 in December, weeks after the murders, Kohlberger and his father drove cross-country from Washington State to their hometown in Pennsylvania. Their journey was briefly paused by two apparently routine traffic stops in Indiana. Body cam footage released by state police showing the father and son driving the same model car, a white Hyundai Elantra, that Idaho investigators had been looking for. For now, Koberger is being held at the Monroe County Correctional Facility, while officials in Idaho get ready for his imminent arrival when they'll unseal a charging document laying out the case against him. I definitely believe that one of the main reasons the defendant chose to waive extradition and hurry his return back to Idaho was the need to know what was in those documents. Yeah, well, that's important, that Idaho affidavit. What do we expect to learn from that once they unseal it, Gotti? Well, hopefully a few things. Specifically, what is it that police have that they think ties Kohlberger uh, to this case? Is it DNA? Two law enforcement sources uh, have told NBC News that they think the genetic genealogy was used in this case, similar to what we saw in the Golden State Killer case. And was there a motive? Is there anything that ties Kohlberger to any of the victims inside that house? But we won't know and he won't know until he's brought back uh, to this state. All Guys, right. Gotti Schwartz for us there in Moscow, Idaho. Gotti, thank you. All right. Coming up here on a Wednesday morning, we are going to help get your finances back on track. If you maybe spend a little bit more than you intended over the holidays, how you can ditch that debt and make a better money plan for 2023. Sounds good. Plus something else that's taking a toll on the wallet, those gas and oil prices. Emily Aketa is here this morning with that story. Hi, Emily. And good morning. Well, after weeks of relief, pain at the pump has unfortunately returned. Just as many families continue to make their way home from the holidays, we'll have have a look at how you can find the cheapest gas stations near you, plus how to prevent those oil bills from stacking up. Stay with us after these messages. Back now, 740 with Consumer Confidential. It's our series that we do around this time every morning, and we focus on your wallet. All right. If you have filled up your gas tank recently, you probably noticed, unfortunately, gas prices are climbing again. Yes, they are. NBC's Emily Aketa is here to break down that increase and the impact of that increase. Hey, Emily. And good morning to you all. We ended the year on a streak of falling gas prices, but that, as you mentioned, unfortunately has come to an end. Recent winter storms putting pressure on both prices at the pump and on your home heating bill. Some states seeing a gallon of gas jump more than 30 cents in just a week. 
Just days into the new year, and Americans are already feeling the pain at the pump again. What's to blame? Sweeping winter storms shutting down refineries, sharply driving up gas prices for the first time in two months. I think I just got screwed. The national average for a gallon of gas reaching $3.26 today. That's up 13 cents since just last week, with some states seeing much larger increases. There still is time that we could see falling prices by mid and late January, but much of that is also going to be contingent on China's oil consumption as they reopen and could potentially offset price relief. To stretch your dollar further on the road, experts say accelerate gradually and reduce your speed on highways. Avoid leaving your car idling, which can save half a gallon of gas per hour, and use apps to find the cheapest gas stations near you. The recent spike in prices, a one-two punch for families who have dealt with sky-high energy bills, driven in part by Russia's ongoing war in Ukraine. Natural gas forecasted to cost 28% more for the average family this winter, and heating oil up 27%, though experts say the new year is beginning to usher in some relief. We're at the close to the peak. Um, I wouldn't say we're at the peak yet. Relief, business owner Albi Perez says he and his customers have yet to feel, weary from months of wild energy costs. Unfortunately, we have to raise our prices to be able to stay competitive and and actually keep the doors open. When it comes to saving on home heating, experts say consider investing in better insulation. Look into a space heater. They can be more cost efficient than central heat and install a programmable thermostat to automatically adjust the temperature. So this winter doesn't wash away your savings. Some good tips there. So, I mean, you know, obviously folks who are driving around the holidays probably noticed the price increase. Yeah. What about the rest of the year, like moving forward? Any idea what that might look like? Okay, so we could see the national average for a gallon of gas eclipse $4 as early as May. Of course, the summer travel season driving that price up. But here is the bit of good news. The overall, it will cost you less to fill up your car this year, about 50 cents less per gallon compared to 2022. That's according to forecasts. So, potentially welcome relief okay. after a turbulent year. So yeah. forecasts are right. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Let's check in with Dylan. Speaking of forecasts, mm-hmm. so what yeah, you got? You know what saves money? Not having to blast the heat. That's yes, true. Because there you it's go. Really warm. We've got temperatures running about 15 to 30 degrees above average. It's going to feel more like spring today all across the northeast, down through the southeast, too. So enjoy the warm-up. It's kind of short-lived, but it is going to be a warm-up nonetheless. In fact, all areas uh, with the yellow dots here indicate uh, towns that will see record high temperatures within three degrees of the actual record in the red areas in Mount Pocono and in New York, too. We could actually tie the record high temperature for today. So we are looking for a high of 68 in Charleston today. Washington, D.C., 69 degrees, 66 degrees in New York City. Doesn't come with blazing sunshine. We do have some rain to talk about for later on this afternoon, but still, it'll be 66 degrees. So enjoy it. Even tomorrow, we're running about 15 to 20 degrees above average in Philly, down through Richmond, Charlotte, about 64 degrees. There is some cold air, more seasonable temperatures back through Minneapolis, Chicago, Detroit through the weekend as we drop down into the 20s and 30s. And some of that cooler air will, of course, settle into the East Coast as we go through the weekend. It's all this cold front out ahead of it. It's nice and warm, but back behind it, it is much chillier. And this is also the reason why we'll see some of those severe storms in the southeast today and eventually get some showers back into the northeast this afternoon. And that's your latest forecast. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Something, I'm on a delay this morning, guys. Something new and free to get you ready for the Golden Globes and what would be Elvis Presley's 88th birthday. Carson's going to explain it on Popstart. But first, these messages. (laughs) 
he would lie his way into their dreams. He was looking for James Bond girls. How fun would that be to be a Bond girl? Then twist them into a nightmare. This guy has done this before. He'll do it again. Until a group of women banded together to put him behind bars and keep him there. You have to participate fiercely, fiercely in what happens next. I'm Keith Morrison, and this is Murder in the Hollywood Hills, an all-new podcast from Dateline. All episodes of Murder in the Hollywood Hills are available now. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with Chris Pine to talk about a career that has taken him from Star Trek to Wonder Woman, and now the new film he wrote, directed, and stars in, called Pool Man. You can get our conversation for free wherever you download your podcasts. Oh, We're yeah. back as we welcome in Carson. No, this is not CNBC, but that is, in fact, <laughs> a live look at the New York Stock Exchange. Why, you ask? It's a big morning here. Savannah and Hoda are going to be right there on the floor wow. of the Stock Exchange. Not long Ramble. from now, they are going to be ringing that bell. That is so cool. I don't know if I've ever been to the Stock Exchange. It's so before. much fun. Is it cool? Carson, it's you so cool. know. I did it like 10 years ago. Yeah, it's so cool. So what happened? It's like a barn. It's like if you put it, but then there's like NASA oh, technology oh my God. within the barn. Oh my God, like, It's such baby. a cool thing to do. So is it a real bell or do you push yeah, a button? Yeah, it's a real bell and it's right behind like your ear. It's loud. Do you push a button or do you actually yeah, get you to ring, ring? Yeah, you push a button and it rings ah. for 60 seconds or whatever. Oh, it's really so fun. neat. Well, the Stock Exchange. Yeah, the Stock Exchange invited us. It's the epicenter of global wealth. It's so but it's just a cool, yeah. iconic thing to do, which, of course, Carson has already done. Yeah. We should point out why <laughs> you're doing it. Oh, yeah, though. why are we doing it? Well, we're celebrating your five-year anniversary, the two of you. <laughs> yes! Five years. I mean, that's a kind of cool Who's going to press the button? We have together. together. Okay, good. They're going to yeah. write. We're going to do it. We're going to yeah. press the button. So that's going to be big. So we're going to leave here, right? We're going to leave here now. And we're going to run down there. Wall Street traffic. Who's going to do the show? How's this going to work? Y'all. Y'all. Oh, yeah. You got it. You got yes. <laughs> my big day. <laughs> so all eyes will be on the stock markets this morning. Let's pray. Let's pray we have an update. I know. We don't want to crash the markets. Please. <laughs> well, we, should we sell or buy Tesla stock? I don't know. We don't know. Don't listen. Don't listen. All right. All right. Y'all get going. Okay. We're so excited. Okay. Congratulations. Very cool. In fact, we're going to have the big moment. We're going to chat with Hoda and Savannah after they ring the bell, before they ring the bell. We'll do that during the third hour. Okay. Also, we'll switch gears from the stock exchange to your habits in January. If you're trying not a, maybe a dry January, but you don't want all the alcohol in your house to go to waste, our buddy Martha Stewart (laughs) has a solution. You just mail it to her. (laughs) Uh, She'll explain. Goodbye, ladies. Good luck. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 